0: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bankers podcast series, Banking in Transition. In this series, the Bankers editors are speaking to experts from across financial services to explore how the industry is responding to global challenges and trends such as the COVID-19 pandemic, sustainability, and the drive for increased technological innovation. I'm Marie Kempley, the Bankers Investment, Banking and Capital Markets Editor. And in this podcast, I'm joined by Claude Brown, LIBOR specialist and partner at international law firm Reed Smith. Thanks for joining me today, Claude.
1: You're welcome, Marie. A pleasure to be here.
0: And in this podcast, we're going to be discussing some of the challenges around LIBOR transition, which is of course entering a crucial period now in the run-up to the end of this year, when LIBOR's regulator, the Financial Conduct Authority, has confirmed that LIBOR will cease to be published for most currencies antennas, although the most commonly used US dollar LIBOR settings will continue until the middle of twenty twenty three. Now for anyone that's unfamiliar with the issues around LIBOR transition, you know there is rather a lot of backstory, let's say, which I won't be able to do justice to do in this in this short intro. But you know, in a nutshell, LIBOR or London Interbank Offered Rate, which is its full title, is a reference rate which has been used in countless financial transactions for, for decades. Um but in recent years, efforts have been underway to shift away from using LIBOR and instead to use alternative reference rates. And it's a complex and also global issue as it touches upon so many different products in many different international markets but claude if if we focus um, on sterling markets in particular for the moment um, i think it's fair to say we've relatively recently passed an important deadline uh, where regulators in the uk has said they didn't want to see any new sterling LIBOR issuance after the 31st of march this year so you know as far as you can see how has industry performed against that target and um, you know was it challenging or, or was it was the industry ready for it
1: i think getting ready for it was was challenging uh, in that uh, I think it's e- too easy to think of this as merely a documentation process that you change your, the terms of your loan agreements or your your bonds or whatever you're doing and put the new rates in. Um, the fact of the matter is that there's quite a lot that goes on behind the scenes uh, in the operations and back and middle office areas um, with conventions and the like. Just removing LIBOR also meant that the market conventions, the day count fractions, the rounding, and all the other customary habits of the market in relation to LIBOR are all being swept away. And so the market's got to develop new conventions for the new risk-free rates, uh, and they're broadly speaking more complex than those that we used for LIBOR. So, that's required an awful lot of internal engineering, process mapping, and the like for financial institutions. Broadly, they have met the deadline imposed by the UK regulators for sterling LIBOR issuance uh, and new issuance of sterling denominated instruments has either Uh, a risk-free rate and no LIBOR, or it has a fallback mechanism that will allow it before the end of 2021 to convert to a non-LIBOR rate on a a trigger point. Where we see some lag is in deals that are being done by um, non-UK regulated banks and financial institutions, for example, those in Europe and also those where the bank leading the deal is in Asia. There's relatively few pure sterling-based issues uh, in this category, but there are quite a few multi-currency issues, and certainly there are uh, lead banks or arranging banks that have not yet fully grasped the transition to uh, non-liable sterling issuance for those, those products, so there are some stragglers.
0: Okay, so that's that's the kind of new issuance side of things. And as you, as you've kind of described, there's still some complexities which are to be figured out. and we could continue talking about that for quite a while longer, I think, but the, you know there's another big area, of course, which is dealing with all the, the legacy contracts which are linked to LIBOR as well. You know that's obviously another huge undertaking. And what's your sense of progress around how, how those are being dealt with as well? And that's again, let's say within sterling markets for, for clarity at the moment.
1: I think the selling markets are probably ahead of some of the other markets, Um, and it's also very patchy within the markets. So for example, syndicated loan market, I think, is pretty much on track when you get into some of the the more niche lending areas such as aviation finance, shipping, uh, asset finance. There, I think the markets are a little behind. In, in adapting their legacy or updating their legacy contracts to deal with the demise of libel. Broadly, the, the remediation process, as it's known is well underway within most financial institutions. There are still some that we see that are thinking about it or getting around to doing it or trying to work out a policy and Part of the problem has been that the pandemic and the remote working environments imposed on various institutions hasn't helped accessing documents or accessing systems. So it's about as on course as one could hope for, but not as much as one would like.
0: Mm, Okay, interesting. And, And, you know, just to kind of add another one into the mix, the FCA has said, you know that it's going to consult on this so-called um, synthetic LIBOR rate, right? which you know will, the aim would be to continue to use that after 2021 for dealing with these so-called tough legacy contracts. You know which are which are um, contracts which it would be difficult to kind of to to remediate and and switch on to a different uh, rate. You know, what are your thoughts around this kind of so-called synthetic LIBOR? Is it, is it a good idea? And what kind of impact do you think it might it might have on on those repapering and remediation efforts which are underway?
1: The nature and role of synthetic LIBOR is not well understood in the market. Some institutions that we come across seem to be under the impression that they can just use this synthetic LIBOR uh, if they haven't got round to doing all their remediation. That That is not the case. The way that the legislation which is currently going through the House of Lords works is that it will give the FCA the power to prohibit the use of certain rates by regulated financial institutions, banks, investment banks, broker-dealers, etc. And the FCA will prohibit the use of LIBOR under that legislation. What it also allows the FCA to do is generate or designate a methodology for rates for certain contracts which will be exempt from that blanket prohibition. And that that designated rate is essentially what the market um, refers to as synthetic libel. The point is that the exemptions will be for tough legacy contracts and the fca has made it quite clear uh, as has the pra to uk regulators that the the group of tough legacy contracts will be quite tight you know it's not going to be a situation where institutions say we have too many documents and we need to use synthetic LIBOR, i don't think that's going to be sympathetically received similarly uh, it's very difficult for us to do this because the process to agree a replacement for LIBOR is quite tricky so for example in the securitization markets a process known as consent solicitation where issuers or corporate service providers have to go out to bondholders and get a consent is quite a cumbersome process but again um, you know i don't see that being um, a a blanket exemption so you know the the group of tough legacy contracts which can use synthetic libel will be um, fairly restricted i think the other point is that I would expect synthetic LIBOR to have a limited life It's not going to carry on forever as as an alternative. There will be a a very strict shelf life put on it uh, so that it will really only cover those tough legacy contracts that have a maturity running out maybe a couple of years at most. So anything that's long term, for example, long dated 30-year swaps or something like that, will um, have to find some alternative way of, uh, of changing over. And I suppose the other point is synthetic LIBOR will most likely look very much like the replacement for LIBOR, i.e. will be a risk-free rate with a credit spread that's put into it. Um, I don't think it's going to be, as some people imagine, uh, LIBOR continuing by another name. I don't see that as practical because the banks that quote on the panel that produces LIBOR want to leave and have only committed to keep on quoting or um, putting in their educated estimates until the end of 2021. I think at that point, the banks on the sterling LIBOR panel will want to leave. So whatever synthetic LIBOR looks like, it won't be a panel bank quotation process
0: that's a pretty good overview then of the the issues within the sterling markets i think you know you touched on this a bit earlier on you know what what what's your kind of sense of the the situation internationally and <laughs> appreciate that's probably a relatively difficult one to answer in a, a quick a quick nutshell but I'll, I'll ask you to have a go <laughs> anyway
1: right well let's do a whistle stop mm. tour of the globe the sterling market uh, is probably the most advanced in its transition, uh, and that's for two reasons. One, that it, the the lead regulator is essentially the the UK regulatory um, environment because that's where Libor was produced. You know, the clue is in the London bit of Libor. Um, the second reason is that the risk-free rates need a deep liquid overnight market, and the ois market what is the overnight index swap market which is um, in sterling is a very deep well-established market so that's given the sterling market a a sort of leg up in its um, LIBOR transition the us dollar market follows behind uh it uses a a different rate it uses a secured rate based on the repo market in the US there is some discussion that that is not a, a universally applicable market in that you have to be a bank that engages in the repo market it's secured as to as opposed to unsecured which the um, sterling market is and that there are other other rates the the other point is that the U.S. has gone to a different route to deal with tough legacy and um, synthetic LIBOR. It's actually passed a piece of legislation in the New York legislature that will write in terms to contracts that don't have fallbacks from LIBOR. Uh, it's not as uh, progressed in its transition, and that's one reason why the the, the dollar markets have. LIBOR that will or LIBOR will continue to apply in those markets until June 2023. That's allowed to allow as much of the market to run off and mature before that point as possible. So that market's behind. In other markets, um, the euro market is not as as well developed. There's a discussion as to whether Euribor will carry on being a rate uh, for. In the long term it certainly will be in the short term. And then the Euro secure rate, the ESTA as it's known, is um is another rate that um is developing but as you know again transition isn't as advanced in the sterling markets. Elsewhere one of the problems that you come across is that the the rates for example in, in India, in Singapore um, in Australia use a LIBOR element within them, a dollar LIBOR element. And so even though the rate on the face of it doesn't look to be a LIBOR rate, it normally has a, a dollar LIBOR component. And so those rates um, will, will find, it, find transition challenging until such time as there's a fully developed alternative to LIBOR for the dollar markets.
0: Great. Well, thanks so much for sharing your views and experiences with us today, Claude. You know, that's it's clearly a topic which we're going to continue revisiting, I think, um, in the months to come. But that's all for this particular podcast. Um, but listeners can keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Acast and follow our discussions at thebanker.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.